0: Good morning. As Matthew mentioned, we're in a series here called Rhythms, starting the new year. We're starting to talk about the spiritual disciplines, which really are just tools that God's given us in His Word to build intimacy with Him. We've begun this relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, but now we get to go through this journey of getting closer to Him, and He's given us these tools, these spiritual disciplines in His Word to help us in our relationship with God. And I'm very excited to be talking about fasting today. One of the topics of, uh, uh, that's near and dear to my heart to talk about that I wrestle with God a lot is in the area of food. And so today as we're talking about abstaining from food or abstaining from other things that might uh, have a little bit of a hold in our life, we give this opportunity to build intimacy with God. And so, you know, a lot of different topics that you get up as a pastor, you come up and you share things, and, and, and most of the time, you know, you're, you're preaching to yourself also, uh, just like you're sitting there thinking, okay, what is God doing in my life uh, as you sit there and are listening to the Spirit? But I want you to know as we begin this teaching, um, this is not just a struggle in my life. This is the struggle in my life. As I've been wrestling with, with the Lord in this area for the last 20 years or so, this has been pretty much the main temptation and struggle that I go through, where it really have to be on my knees before God asking Him to help me because my escape, uh, my main temptation where I feel like I could really uh, veer off from where God wants me is in the area of food. And this isn't something that we always talk about in the church. It's not something that we talk about a lot. And so I just want to let you know as you sit there and you think, gosh, some of this is very challenging to me. Some of this is very uncomfortable for me. I want you to know that I'm really um, preaching to myself today, and it's a a difficult area for me. You know, a few years back, I've shared this story before, but it fits so well with what we're talking about today. Um, I love coffee. I really enjoy a good cup of coffee. I am not what you would call a coffee snob, okay? I will drink my McDonald's coffee or my Burger King coffee and be happy about it, but every once in a while, I want to splurge, and I'll try to, to get some Kenya AA from Grounds for Thought, right down the street here. Love Kenya AA. I got a pound uh, not long ago, went home, got some filtered water, and I was just ready to just settle in with a delicious cup of coffee. I ground up those beans, I filled up the coffee uh, uh, filter, got it ready to go, and because I wanted it to, you know, again, be really a great cup of coffee, I had some filtered water, so I filled up the coffee maker, I hit that button, and I just waited, and I was ready to go. I was so excited. About five minutes later, I come back into the kitchen to find my delicious pot of coffee, and coffee has spilled all over the counter. And I'm confused. What in the world is going on? I'm so disappointed. I come to the realization, because I've put the filtered water in the back, I never emptied out the carafe itself. It was like half full of really old, cold, probably Folgers coffee. Okay? So the whole thing had just overflowed because I didn't empty the the, the carafe part. And I tried to salvage it. I'm cleaning up all the coffee. It's just a total mess. And I tried to microwave it. It was like this lukewarm mixture of nasty coffee and Kenya AA. It was just a disaster. Now, in this analogy, the Folgers coffee, the cold Folgers coffee, are the things of the world in our lives. And when we don't empty that out first, the Kenya AA, which represents the wonderful, delicious things of God, okay, we can't enjoy them to the fullest because we haven't emptied ourselves out of the world. And as Christians, we will try to go through this journey where we, we love the world so much that we're really not enjoying Jesus, but we love Jesus so much we're not fully enjoying the world. And we're kind of in this, this spot where like, we're trying to decide who we really love and who we're trying to serve. And this spiritual discipline that we're going to be diving in today is really all about that. It is about emptying ourselves out so that we might be filled with something better. The satisfaction of a relationship with Jesus. So here's our big idea for today. Embrace the emptiness so that you will be filled with God. This is a phrase that God has been giving me over and over again over the last few years. I I feel like he keeps whispering it to me because it goes against everything in me to want to be empty. I hate being hungry. I don't like that empty feeling. I don't like it when my heart is empty, my stomach is empty, and I'm uncomfortable in life. I will go to great lengths to escape that feeling and i'll try to fill it with food or i'll try to fill it with the things of the world so that i don't feel uncomfortable and i hear god whisper to me embrace the emptiness embrace the emptiness and that's very countercultural to us isn't it and why is god whispering that to me he says when you're fully empty of all those things then you can really experience me then i can come in and fill you up. You have to get that coffee pot empty if you want to fill it with something beautiful and wonderful. Ephesians 5:18 talks about this. It says, "And don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit." The Bible talks over and over again. There's so many verses about being filled with the Spirit, and there are so many verses about how this relates to food and how it relates to thirst. I was amazed at just doing this study these last couple of weeks, how many verses talk about food and drink and how it relates to our spiritual lives. And this amazing uh, analogy and how we can compare it to that of how we have this hunger and we have this thirst and there's a way to direct it. There's a way to go about it with a thankful heart in a, in a healthy way that God wants but really pointing us to the greater hunger in our lives, the spiritual hunger. And this verse reminds us that we want to get drunk with wine. We want to escape. We want to be—we be, you know, give ourselves to things that make us feel better, whether that's alcohol or drugs or excessive uh, things with sexuality or food or entertainment. We want to be filled with all these different things in the world But the Bible says, no, be filled with the Spirit. So here's our first uh, fill-in in the handout that relates to this discipline that really helps us in this area of being empty with a purpose and talking about fasting. And the first one says this, Fasting creates a physical hunger so that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Fasting creates a physical hunger in us so that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. So what is fasting? Fasting is simply that. It is creating this emptiness. It's allowing for this void so that a spiritual hunger may come up in us to remind us of what is really important and what is really satisfying in life is not the things of this world, but the things of God. A relationship with God. Being in His Word and having Him speak amazing things to you and filling you with His power so that we could be weak physically, be a little hungry, be a little thirsty, kind of create some discomfort in our lives so that He might fill us with the comfort that He gives, which is way better, which is more satisfying than anything in this world. And He wants us to have this hunger and this thirst for Him. So all of these spiritual disciplines that we're talking about increase our sensitivity and our appetite for God. That's what this series is about. The silence, the solitude, the generosity, the rhythms of life. Figuring out the rhythms of life and being aware of these spiritual disciplines that He's given us. And as we practice them, we increase this sensitivity of the things of God. We create an appetite for God. You know, I remember when my wife and I were young, we were new parents, and we had my, my youngest son, Dominic, and he was three years old. And all he wanted to eat was hot dogs and mac and cheese. Okay? He would just eat that like crazy. He would eat nothing else. We we're like, gosh, we should probably be better parents here. This is not good. And he would fight us. He would fight and he would be so stubborn and he would not eat anything healthy. And it was a real dilemma for us. And just as good parents and loving him, we're like, we've got to do something. We've got to make a stand here. We're the parents. We've got to get this situation under control. And we're both softies, you know, we're, we're high on the mercy. Like the kids crying, just give them some candy, you know, that kind of thing. We finally put our foot down and we're like, this is it. This is the dinner time. We're not giving him hot dogs, we're not giving him uh, mac and cheese, we're not giving him any dessert until he eats green beans. And we got a nasty old can of green beans, and we put them in a bowl, and we put them in front of him, and he's crying, and he's throwing a fit, and it seemed like it went on forever. And we just kept telling him, no, you're going to eat that first. You're going to eat that, you know, and we're just going to And we're like, how long are we going to hang in here on this, you know? Is this going to go 30 minutes, an hour? How long? I don't even know how long. It felt like all night. The kid's starving. He's upset. He's crying. We hung tight. And you know what happened? He was so hungry, he ate a green bean. I said, just taste it. Just put your tongue on it. And he ate it. And then he ate another one. And then he ate another one. And he devoured the whole bowl And you know what he said? More. I want more green beans. And we gave him more, and he ate that whole can of green beans. And 15 years later, he loves green beans. We won. We won. We are good parents. You know, that story always reminds me that as as people walking with God, he can change our appetites. He can help us crave the things that are healthy for us. And we have a hard time believing that, even as adults. We have these cravings. We have these longings. We have these things that we want to fill ourselves up. And sometimes God needs to step in and He says, you're not hungering the things that are really worth hungering. I want you to hunger and thirst for righteousness, and even this body that I've given you, I want you to have stewardship over this body. I want you to, to deal with it in a healthy way. And he gives us his spirit and he gives us the power to change our appetites, not only just for food, but for things of God that we might actually you know, hold out on these other things, enjoy what God is giving us, and be satisfied and say, I want more of that, God. I want more of the things from your hand and not of this world. I've been really thinking about this verse a lot, Matthew 5 and 6, that I just mentioned, and I would really encourage you to memorize this verse. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Think about that. Think about how countercultural this is. Just the beginning. Blessed are those... That hunger, okay? If we're really honest, you know, when you think about you're getting hungry, you're getting angry, okay? You're getting really upset and cranky, and the people around you are like, what's wrong with you? You know, you're really upset right now. You're really cranky. Times where you're just dying for thirst, you're just looking for a drink of water, you've just, you know, exercised, or it's a a hot day, and you're so thirsty. The Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst. Because it creates this vacuum, it creates this void that we might long for righteousness, that we might long for something that's truly going to satisfy us, the things of God. In John chapter 6, Jesus says, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me We'll never be thirsty. So fasting creates this reminder that we should long for God and we should long to be satisfied for Jesus even more than we long for food. Now, again, I've mentioned to you this is such a struggle for me. Not only is it a struggle to fast, but it is such a struggle for me to just submit the area of food to God. Because, you know, through most of my life, this never even entered my mind as a struggle until probably I was about 30 years old, and I really started struggling with escaping to food, going to food for comfort. Maybe it's midnight, and I just had a hard day, and I'm angry, and I'm standing there in the front of the fridge, and I'm not even hungry, but I'm just wanting comfort. I'm wanting to relieve my anger, and I'm thinking, man, if I just eat something, if I just overeat, Maybe I'll feel better. And I'll struggle with eating the wrong foods. I'll struggle with eating too much of the wrong foods. And I'll struggle with not exercising enough and being a healthy person. And it's a battle. And I just feel powerless many times. Maybe you have an area in your life. Maybe it's, it's food. Maybe you have this love-hate relationship with food. Maybe it's your thoughts. Maybe it's your emotions. Maybe you have some anger and forgiveness in your life. Maybe it's your sexual desires. We have these cravings inside of all of us, and God is asking us to direct them in godly places and not let them become our idol. So, why is this so difficult for us to submit these things to God? I wrote down four things that have really related. Uh, To my life, and I hope that they relate to you. The first reason why it's difficult for me is that at times I feel like my body is the boss, not us as the boss of our body. One of the greatest things of advice that I got as a young Christian was that we are not controlled by our bodies. We are the boss of our bodies, and whether that comes to our appetites or our emotions or our sexual uh, desires, we have to be allowing God to help us control our bodies. We don't have to go through life letting our body and our emotions boss us around. A second reason why this is so difficult is that we love and desire comfort above all else. We live in a a, a country and in a culture that we just really despise being uncomfortable. It can become our God. And again, if there's anything that goes wrong in life, anything that's of difficulty, we are looking for comfort. We're looking for an escape to make us feel better. And God is just waiting there with open arms. He said, at least come to me first when you're uncomfortable. Let that discomfort point you into a relationship with God. And you know, when I'm talking about this area, it's, it's so important for me to remember that God is such a giver. God is not looking to take anything away. Food is a blessing. Drink is a blessing from God for us to enjoy. It is a wonderful thing. All through Scripture, the Bible talks about, like we just sang Taste and see that the Lord is good. There are many blessings in this world that God has given us that we are to enjoy. And that's a really good thing. But when we go to anything first above him, it becomes twisted. It becomes something unhealthy. And he's saying, come to me before you come to the things of the world. Another reason why it's so difficult is just the country that we live in. We're, we're in a country that, that literally worships food. I don't mean we bow down before food and pray to it, but we pray for food. We love food. The commercials on TV are amazing. Uh, we're surrounded by fast food places. Uh, we are surrounded by unhealthy food. We are surrounded by buffets and deals of all you can eat, and we love it. And we just have this crazy relationship with food, because of the, the bounty and the, the blessing of our country, we are really into food much more than other places. And the last one that, that I think has been really a struggle for me is this ignoring this command of fasting or just overeating as a gluttony is acceptable in the church. That's probably the most sobering thing for me. You know, if I stood up here and said, you know, I'm really struggling with shoplifting, you know, you'd probably be pretty disturbed. You'd be pretty surprised. If I said I have a pornography problem, which I don't, we would disqualify our leaders for that. We take certain sins in the church very seriously. They would disqualify us from leadership if it had to do with sexuality or any kind of theft or any kind of lying. Or all these different things that we kind of rank our sins with certain importance. But I don't usually get called out with food. We usually don't get called out for the things of of overeating and struggles like that. We're, We're usually a little bit more silent about that in the church. So as a pastor, it makes it easier for that to be my escape. But that doesn't justify it. Because the Bible is our measuring stick. Not each other, not the American church. We go to God's word and we see that he's calling us out to be healthy. Let me call out um, some other just clarifications here that are really important when we're dealing with this area of fasting. But I know this is kind of a teaching on fasting, but also just about with food. Because I think when we deal with food, we can get all kinds of unhealthy thoughts In our mind, and we really need God's word to direct us. And so, some of these clarifications are are, are this one, just in regard to health, everything that I'm talking about with food um, has to do with just being healthy. Every one of us is called to be healthy. Now, we get before God, each one of us, and we figure out what he's saying, what that means, because that could be different for all of us. And when we talk about fasting, maybe you're in a health situation where you're not able to fast. Maybe if you have diabetes or some other kind of health concern, you say, Matt, what do I do? How do I fast because I can't do this? But maybe there's other things like caffeine or sugar or entertainment or social media, or something that might have a vice in your life that you can go to God and say, I might not be fasting from food, but God, I want to take this certain amount of time and I'm going to fast from this. And again, that is between you and God to figure that out. The second clarification is just on this performance. In Matthew six sixteen. Jesus doesn't say if you fast. He says, and when you fast, I want you to wash your face and present yourself to people as if you're not fasting. Because I don't want you to bring all this attention to yourself like you're a better Christian than anyone else, and he kind of keeps us off of this performance track. Because if we're doing really poorly in this area of fasting or food, we could feel terrible like God loves us less. And that is not true. And for those that are doing really well and they're fasting regularly and they're very fit and they're very great in this area, they could feel prideful. And the Bible is saying we're not to be performing. We're not on a performance kick when it has to do with food. There's an epidemic in our country right now in regard to body image. And it's a disaster. And it mostly has to do with social media And we get on this performance path when it comes to food and we think if I just really lean into this I can have the perfect body that I've always wanted and what I see on TV or what I see on social media and that will lead you to a very unsatisfying place. You will live your whole life in performance. You will live your whole life in emptiness because you are pursuing something that's not going to satisfy you. It'll never be where you want it to be. And the true satisfaction is asking God, God, what are you saying to me about being a healthy person? And I'm going to be excited about how you made me. And the body type that you've given me. And the things that you're saying to me about my health and my discipline, that's satisfying. Not the things that the world tells us. The third clar- clarification is what I've already mentioned, is to always remember that food is a blessing. Food is a blessing from God. Yes, we may misuse it at times, but we should always be thankful for the blessings that God has given us. And then lasting as I mentioned, fasting is not just with food. I think for a lot of us, as we uh, later on I'm going to give you a practical application of how we can fast as a church. And for many of you, it might be something else. It might be like setting your phone aside for a half a day or a whole day. For some of you, that would be like really, really challenging to turn off your phone and to know that the world is not going to come to an end because you don't know what's going on in social media. That could be a really great fast for you. But all of this, regardless of what it is, it's back to the big idea of embracing the emptiness, so that you might experience God. I read a book uh, not long ago called Made to Crave. It's called, uh, Lisa Turkest uh, wrote it, and she talked about having this hungry heart and how we're made to crave. Every one of us is made to crave. If this is an issue in your life and that, that piques your interest, I encourage you to read this book. And it just talks about how God has made us to crave many things, We always go off track and we crave the things that we shouldn't to an excessive amount to replace God. But that is always pointing us back to this spot of this craving and this hunger. And I've thought about how many times I've been trying to reflect more of how many times I want to eat when I'm not hungry at all. And if I allow God into that space, I'll hear him say, Matt, your heart is hungry right now. Your stomach is not hungry. Your heart is hungry. And I'll say, okay, God, why am I hungering? What's wrong with my heart right now that I want to try to fill it with food? And he will speak to me about that. And he'll usually point me in some different direction. I love this quote by her in the book Made to Crave. She said, God has given me power over food choices. I'm supposed to consume food. Food isn't supposed to consume me. So as you see with this area, God is not trying to take away our food. He's not trying to take away pleasure. He's actually trying to give us something, something amazing, His presence and His power. And that brings us to the second point, is when you fast, you're setting aside your strength to pray and ask God to move in His strength. That's what this spiritual discipline is all about. It's about you realizing that your strength in life is only going to take you so far. And as you set aside your strength and you're a little bit hungry and you get a little bit weak and maybe you need to lay down and take a nap because you don't have much food in you and you kind of embrace that emptiness and you embrace that weakness, you're reminded that we need God. We need His power and we need His strength. In John chapter 4, Jesus is interacting with the Samaritan woman. This is a great chapter. It's where we get our name from, H2O. Jesus goes to this Samaritan woman and he says, I can give you a living water that you'll never thirst again. And it's a great passage. We've preached on it many times and there's all kinds of wonderful things going on in this chapter in John chapter 4. But there's a cool passage in here about food, because when they first get to Samaria after the long journey, what do the disciples do? Just like a bunch of guys, right? After a long trip, they're like, we're starving. We need food. You know, we don't want to wait any longer. Jesus, we're going into town. We got to get something to eat. I just imagine this bunch of guys going into town starving, like, you know, where are we going to eat? You know, Uh, it's it's a pretty big moment for them. They go and they get this food, but Jesus stays there and he's ministering to this woman. Now the disciples come back and they've got food, okay? They're, they're, they're going to give Jesus some food. They even bought some food for Jesus. We pick it up in verse 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something, okay? I imagine one of the disciples brought him and said, hey, we got you something. You know, this is, deli- Jesus, you got to try this. This is fantastic. Eat this. But he said to them, I have a food to eat that you know nothing about. Now, just knowing these disciples, they're like, what? You know, where did you get food? Uh, maybe they're disappointed because they brought him something. They thought he was going to be excited about that. He's like, no thanks. Then he said, they said to each other, could someone have brought him food? You know, who brought Jesus food? And then he says, my food, said Jesus is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm saying. You're talking about physical food, but I have something more important than physical food, and that's to do this mission. That's to affect this woman's life right now, who he knows is going to go into this town and lead many other people to Jesus. He has this mission in mind, and when we fast, we're praying that God's mission and His work move forward. There's another great passage where Jehoshaphat is crying out to God in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And in this story, Jehoshaphat is being told that the Ammonites and the Moabites have come, and they're going to overthrow them. They're overwhelmed. There's a huge army that's going to come and destroy them. And they tell Jehoshaphat, we're in huge trouble right now. There's a very large army and we're going to be destroyed. And Jehoshaphat starts crying out to God and praying. He says, he was afraid and he set his face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah and Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. For all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. He gives this amazing prayer. I encourage you to read this chapter. Where he says, God, you brought us to this place. Did you bring us to this place to be destroyed? You're the one that's been doing all this. You're the one blessing us. Are we going to die today? And then he says this at the end of his prayer. For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I love that last part. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know, I think of Esther getting ready to go before the king. She could be killed for even coming to the king, but she's going on behalf of the Jewish people who might be destroyed by Haman. I think of Jesus in the desert, knowing that he's going to the cross. He's going he's to enter into this very difficult ministry And he goes out into the desert to fast and Saul and Barnabas and the disciples are being sent out in Acts chapter 13. They know they're probably going to be persecuted in the world and whether it's Jehoshaphat or Esther, Jesus, these disciples, they're on this mission and they know it's going to be really difficult and they fast to say, God, we need you. Now I'm going to imagine if you're like me and you're sitting there, there's something overwhelming in your life right now. There's some trouble. There's some difficulty in your life. Maybe it's even a hidden thing in your life that no one else here knows about that you know you want to change or you want God in this. You need God. There's something happening, some temptation, something coming against you that you're desperate for God. You cannot fix this in your own strength. And just like Jehoshaphat and Esther and Jesus and these disciples leaned into it with prayer and they said, we're going to fast and we're going to cry out to God. And maybe your prayer is the same thing in this area. You're going to say, God, I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to fix this marriage. I don't know how to handle this situation with my kids or my finances, my sexual purity, the, the food issues in my life. Whatever your thing is that's just insurmountable, maybe there's some fear that it's ever going to change. That's the time to fast and get on your knees and say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. God, show up in this time and help me. And I will tell you when you do that, the times that I have done that, you're going to see God show up in deeper, intimate ways than you ever have before. And I'm not saying he's going to fix it in a moment, but you're going to experience intimacy with God. So what I want you to do this week, and what we're asking the whole church to do this week, here's the application to pray. Maybe God's speaking to you right now. Maybe you're entering into a time of prayer right now and you're going to leave this place and this week you say, God, I want to respond to you. Why should I fast? Would you pray that prayer with us this week and say, God, there's something that I want you to do. And he's going to answer that. He's going to answer what you should should do. Determine in your mind, secondly, that you're going to do it. Okay, what should I fast from, God? Should it be something to do with food or what I drink or some kind of entertainment or something that's got a hold in my life? And it's going to be difficult. It's supposed to be difficult. You don't fast from something easy that you never partake in. You fast from something that's got that hold that is going to create that emptiness and that discomfort. And you determine That for some amount of time, you you decide that before the Lord, whether that's a a morning or a a whole day or a week, whatever it might be. God, I determine before you as I've prayed, I think you want me to fast for this reason. And I'm going to fast from this certain thing for this amount of time. And then thirdly, when that hunger comes, I want you to pray and expect God to do something. God, what am I expecting you to do? When this fasting time is over, what what am I hoping that you do? What am I asking you to do? And I believe that God's going to do awesome things through this. And I'm very excited uh, about this. There's many Christians in Ohio and many other churches doing this first first Friday fast, and we're going to jump into that with them. So in 2020, we're going to be fasting together. If you need to pick a different day, you can, but many of us will be fasting on Fridays. And there's 10 or 11 Fridays from now. We're actually going to start in February, but if you want to start this Friday, there's uh, 10 or 11 Fridays up to Good Friday before Easter. And we can fast together. We can be praying together. We can be doing this together, expecting God to show up and do something awesome. And I just want to close and pray through this verse in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, we we come humbly before you and say, Lord, that whatever we do, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever activity we're about in these coming days and weeks, God, we want to do this for your glory. Lord, we come before you um, in our physical weakness, asking you to give us a spiritual strength, a spiritual power that is far beyond ourselves. God, we thank you for this spiritual discipline of, of leaning into the hunger and leaning into the thirst so that we can be reminded of a spiritual truth that we are needy of you. Lord, I imagine there's many of us, um, we struggle to just live in a physical world. We struggle to even see anything spiritual happening during the week. And we might think of you and we might sing to you and we might think of some spiritual things on Sunday, but when it comes to our food, we face the refrigerator at at midnight, Lord, you're far away. Lord, we we come to our, our sexual temptations at night and you're far away. Lord, we have our anger and our unforgiveness and all of the struggles in our lives. And maybe you're far away. God, we come before you and ask you, Lord, that you wouldn't be far away in these areas, that we would open up our eyes to the spiritual realities of every day. We would even let you be a part of the small things of our lives, of what we eat, what we drink, what we say, what we see. And we do that because we love you. We do that because we want an intimate relationship with you. And we don't want to just play the Christian role. Lord, we want to be Christ followers. And God, we thank you that when it comes to any of these things, Lord, you're not trying to steal our joy. You're not trying to take away our fun. You're trying to give us something that truly satisfies us. What a wonderful God you are. What a good Father you are to us. Would we trust you to satisfy us in the ways that you say are healthy and righteous? Blessed are those, happy are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Lord, we want to be satisfied in you. In Jesus' name, amen.